Hello, welcome to God Day, and uh, let this be a, a true God Day, a God-centered day, and a God-empowered day. I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and I just want to share with you today on the, the central truth of our faith as Christians, and that is Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? And um, the great confession of a Christian is that Jesus is Lord. And Romans 10.9 says, if you confess, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so this Lordship of Christ is really expressing two things. First of all, of course, Jesus is Lord, speaks of his authority. But many have authority in this world, um, but there is only one absolute authority. You see, all the authorities that you have, whether you're a father, a mother, a, wife, a husband, wife, um, you know, in your job, in the church, in the government, the Bible says that all of those are delegated authorities, that all authority comes from God. And therefore, it's not your authority intrinsically. Only God has absolute authority. And when we say Jesus is Lord, it is actually the declaration that he is God, that he has absolute authority, the authority that only God has, all authority. And uh, so we're not just declaring that Jesus is, has a high degree of authority, we are declaring that he is our God uh, and that we therefore worship him. You see, this is why the early Christians often were persecuted and martyred. It wasn't because they said, well, Jesus is important to us, you know, that Jesus is, is, is a God. That would have been quite acceptable to say that Jesus was a Lord. That would have been quite acceptable. It's only because they made the exclusive claim that Jesus is Lord in the sense of his absolute authority, absolute God. And that exclusive claim that Jesus is the final authority is what was uh, unacceptable to Caesar. And uh, that is why they were persecuted under 10 different Roman emperors. It was this claim that Jesus is God. And this is at the very heart of the Christian faith. You're not truly a Christian unless you actually understand that Jesus was not just a great man, a great prophet, but that he is the Son of God. He is God himself. That was his outstanding claim. And so when God the Father, uh, when he was raised him from the dead, this was endorsing the central claim that Jesus was making that he is God. And in fact, as we'll see, you're not saved until you have that revelation. So we're going to, to, to look at some of these scriptures because this is at the very heart of the gospel. You see, you are saved by believing in Jesus, but you've got to believe in the right Jesus. If you believe in a human Jesus that's only human and not divine, you're believing in the wrong Jesus. The true Jesus is the unique God-man. 
And, and God has to reveal that to you. John's Gospel begins by saying, in the beginning was the Word. That's a title for Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, which simply means he's the one that reveals God to us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. In other words, he is eternal God. And then in verse 14, it says that this Word, who is God, became flesh, became a man, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And so Jesus became a man, uh, sorry, God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. We have to see past Jesus' humanity, he was a real man, to see that he was also God. And that's what takes a revelation of God to you. And that's an essential part of saving faith. And that's why you are saved. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, endorsing that claim of lordship, then you shall be saved. Because the Bible says in Jonah 2.10, I believe it is, salvation is of the Lord. In other words, you are in such a mess that only God himself can save you. And because Jesus is God and Jesus is the Savior, he must be God, because only God can save you and Jesus is your Savior. And so to receive Jesus, also what it implies is you have to receive him as your God. In other words, to be saved, to have a saving faith, that requires your sub the submission of your heart. You have to trust in him. You have to believe in him, that he is who he claims to be, that he died for you, that he rose from the dead, and you have to receive him as your Lord. That is, you submit to him as your God. Hallelujah. And um, Thomas, strangely enough, Thomas is a classic example of saving faith. In John 20, uh, it describes how Jesus appeared to him after his resurrection. And he says to Thomas, put your finger here, look at my hands, reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Because Thomas had a, was obviously doubting the reports of the other disciples. And Thomas answered and said to Jesus, My Lord and my God. That makes it absolutely clear, doesn't it? He was saying, You are my Lord, but to remove any doubt as to whether, you know, this expression Lord actually means that he is God. Thomas says, You are my God. Now, in the Bible, it's, it says that you must not worship any angel or any being as God unless they are God. That's, that's a big sin. And uh, in the book of Revelation, John actually starts worshipping an angel because he's so impressed by his glory and he's immediately rebuked for doing that. So if Jesus wasn't God and Thomas is saying, my Lord and my God, Jesus if he wasn't God, would have righteously rebuked Thomas and say, no, don't go too far, Thomas. I'm, yes, I'm a great man, but I, I'm not God, you know. Uh, no, Jesus actually received his worship, as we'll see. And in fact, the gospel endorses that because Jesus affirms Thomas's response in the next verse. Jesus said to him, 
John 20, 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. In other words, Thomas, you believe, you have a saving faith. And that, what is the content of that belief? It's that Jesus is both our Lord and our God, that he recognizes that Jesus is God and he submits to him as Lord. Have you done that? Have you, has it been revealed to you that Jesus is God, the Son of God? And have you submitted your heart to him as your Lord? Not just as the Lord, but your Lord, because that is essential. The Bible says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So it would be wrong for Thomas to worship Jesus if he wasn't God, because you shall only worship God. But Jesus is God and therefore we see people worshiping him as such. But that's what it is to be a true believer. And then it continues and says, Bless, Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. In other words, he's saying, Thomas, because you believe, you are blessed with eternal life. And not everyone is going to have the privilege of seeing me like you did, Thomas. But if they don't, even if they don't see me, but they believe, they too will be blessed with eternal life. If they have the same kind of faith as you, Thomas, if they believe that I am the Lord and God, then they too will be blessed. It isn't necessary for you to actually physically see Jesus with your eyes to have a saving faith. You, he says, blessed are those who don't see me. But what causes you to be blessed is that you have that faith that Jesus is your Lord and, and your God. And then John himself endorses this because he says, truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. So here he's saying that we have life, eternal life, through believing in the name of Jesus. That means in the nature of Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he is God. And he says, the examples in the book are written that we might have that faith, including the, the example that's just happened, which is Thomas. So this is an example to inspire us to have the same kind of faith as Thomas, that through believing in the name of Jesus as the Son of God, as the Lord God, we will receive eternal life, just like Thomas. And so John's gospel is full of this. Uh, John 6, 47 says, Assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has eternal life. Praise God. Jesus said in John 8, 58, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And he's not even claiming to be pre-existent. He would have said, before Abraham was, I was. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And this would be bad grammar unless it meant that he is the I am, the eternally existing I am. Jesus is claiming to be God here. And by raising Jesus from the dead, God was confirming all of Jesus's claims. Uh, and then it says, in response, they took up stones to throw at him. Why? Because they knew he was claiming to be God. And for them, that was blasphemous. And yet, 
all the prophecies of the Messiah make it clear that he would be the, the God-man. So he wasn't really committing blasphemy because he was God. Interestingly, John 8, 24, this is a very important verse. Jesus said, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. In other words, if to be saved from sin, to, you have to believe the gospel. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that he is the Son of God. If he was just an angel, if he was just a man, he could never save you from your sins. To receive Jesus as your Savior, you have to know that he is God. You have to submit your heart to him. And he says, if you don't believe that he's God, if you don't believe that he's the I am, you're not believing in the real Jesus. You're believing in the product of your imagination. But he says, unless you believe that I am, that I am the God, you will die in your sins. So please open your heart to the truth that Jesus is not just a man, he is God. And to be saved and to receive forgiveness of your sins, you have to receive him as God. Well, Jesus claimed to be God in John 5 as well. And as a result, because he said, you know, I and my father, we are one. And so the Jews sought to kill him, it says. Not just because he broke the Sabbath, but because he said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. You see, when Jesus claimed to be the son of God, and he talked about God being his father, he was claiming to have this very special, unique relationship with God the Father. And the Jews understood that the Son was equal to the Father, and therefore that he was claiming to be God. So when we say Jesus is the, the Son of God, we, this is a claim of deity. When Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, they tried to stone him, because they understood what he was claiming, that he was claiming to be equal with God and Jesus never refuted that and said they were wrong. He, he, he was claiming clearly to be God. And then in verse uh, 23, Jesus said, it is the Father's will that all should honor the, the Son just as they honor the Father. Now, how do we honor the Father God? We worship him as God. So he's saying that the Father wants us to honor the Son in the same way and worship him as God. And he who does not honor the Son, it says, does not honor the Father who sent him. So if you think you honor Jesus, but you reject the fact that he is God, you are not honoring the Son as you honor the Father. And actually, you are not honoring the Father either. You're still not saved. You need to, to have the revelation. You have to, God wants to reveal to you who Jesus, the real Jesus is, and you need to receive him as your Lord and as your God. We see this again in Matthew 16, this very famous passage that Jesus asks his disciples in verse 15, who, who do you say that I am? That's the key question, actually. Believe it or not, for your salvation, who do you say Jesus is? Because if you think Jesus is just a man, then you haven't had the key revelation yet. And um, Peter comes up 
with the right confession. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that is the revelation, actually, that Jesus is God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. In other words, it takes a revelation of God to show you that Jesus is the Son of God. You just know it on the inside. And because he believed, he was now blessed with eternal life. The key to being blessed is to know who Jesus is and to embrace that truth and to confess that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what Peter did. And he's like a picture of all believers who get saved and blessed with eternal life. They've come to that place where God has revealed who Jesus is to them and they haven't rejected that. They've embraced that and they've confessed that with their mouth. And so Peter is, is actually becomes part of the church because Jesus says, this is how I'm going to build my church. I, I say to you that you are Peter, which basically means a, a little stone. You're, you're one stone that's going to be part of my big building, my big temple. And he says, on this rock, which is Jesus, the foundation stone, on this rock, I will build my church. So in other words, Peter's now through that is a picture of how you get built into God's church, into God's building, his saved people. It's through the faith, believing that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And so I want to emphasize that because this is so important. Um, this is foundational. Isaiah 43, 11 says, I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. In other words, God is making it clear that just as creation belongs to him, only God can create the universe. That's not something an angel can do. So also salvation belongs to God. Only God can be the Savior. He says, besides me there is no Savior. So when we declare Jesus is the Savior, that means he has to be God because only God has the kind of power necessary to save. Actually, it takes a higher power to save us than it did to create the universe. The Bible says he created the universe with his fingers, but it took the arm of the Lord to accomplish our salvation. So the, this, I believe, is very important. In fact, the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah point to the fact that he is God. Isaiah 7.14 says, The Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin. That's the virgin prophesied in Genesis chapter 3. The virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Praise God. That means God with us. In other words, the virgin birth of the Messiah is actually God with us. He's not just a man. He's the God-man. Praise God. And that was fulfilled, of course, by Jesus. And then Isaiah 9, 6 describes the Messiah. Unto us a child is born. That's his humanity. And unto us a son is given. Now that's his deity. Notice he was the son of God before uh, his birth, but he's now given to us. The son is given and then the child is born. The son of God is given to us and he's born as a human child. And so he's both God and man. 
and the government will be on his shoulder. He's destined to rule the world and his name, that means his nature, will be called Wonderful. That means Miracle Worker. Uh, counselor, which means Teacher. Mighty God, and that's El Gibor. And that is a name that is a name of God. This is a plain statement that the Messiah will be God, El Gibor. And uh, the next chapter of Isaiah, chapter 1021, uses this very same phrase and clearly it, it refers to God. Let me just read that. A remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God, to El Gibor. And so Jesus is the mighty God. And then it says the everlasting Father. That actually means the source of everlasting life. And he is also the Prince of Peace. If you want peace in your life, you need to let Jesus be your Prince. He's the Prince of Peace. Micah 5.2, of course, is famous. It says, You, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you're little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you will come forth unto me the one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth or whose origins are from old, from everlasting. And so this is saying that the, that the Messiah who is destined to rule the world is actually who will be born in Bethlehem, but that babe of Bethlehem is, has his origins from everlasting. In other words, that he is God. He is the God-man. And so it is important that we understand who Jesus is because we need to receive him as our Lord. When you accept, open your heart to him, receive him as your Lord and worship him as your God and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord you will be saved. You know, if you haven't done that yet, let me invite you to do that now. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. You are the Son of God. You became a man to die for me because you loved me. And God vindicated your claims by raising you from the dead. And you are Lord of all. And right now I receive you into my heart as my saviour. Because you're God, you have the power to save me. Please save me. Please forgive all my sins. I give my heart to you and I surrender myself to you because you are my Lord and my God. You have final authority in my life. I give you permission to sit on the throne of my heart. I submit myself to you. I confess and say it out loud. Jesus is my Lord and my God. Praise God. Well, there are other prophecies of the Messiah that, that prove that Jesus is God. Let me show you an interesting um, uh, prophecy that uh, is, is there in the Bible about Jesus being God. And... Um, well. In the New Testament, it says that uh, in Titus 2.13, for example, it says, we are looking for the blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He's our great God and Saviour. Praise God. Similarly, 2 Peter 1.1 1, 1 says, talks about the, our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Romans 9.5, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. And so I just really wanted to emphasize that Jesus is God. May God give you a revelation deep in your heart that you know that you know that Jesus is not just a man. He is God, Yeshua, to give his Hebrew name, or Jesus, his Greek name, or Jesus, his English name, but it's the same person. And he is the Lord our God. Therefore, we worship Jesus. We worship God the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we have a very special relationship with Jesus, the Son of God, because he became a man. Through his humanity, we can be identified with him. When we put our trust in Jesus, the Bible says we are put into Christ. We're put into Jesus. We're made one with him. Through his humanity, praise God, we become one with him. We are in Christ. And that means all the blessings that he paid for on the cross, that he received as a perfect man on our behalf, we now can share in that blessing. And we can stand before God, righteous, clothed with his righteousness. It's because he is both God and man that he saved, that he can save us. As God, his blood, as it were, was the blood of God. It had infinite value, so it could purchase our salvation. Praise God. And through his resurrection as a man, through our union with him, we can receive his, that same resurrection power into us. So it's because he became a man that he became identified with us that we can actually be raised up in his power through our faith in him. So we are in Christ. And because we're in Christ now, we can enjoy fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are part now of the family of God. We have been exalted, as it were, potentially even above the angels, because we are now in that inner family of God. And we have the Holy Spirit of God, and the, we, we are under the love of the Father. So what a wonderful salvation this is, that through, through Christ we enjoy fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's an awesome thing. If Jesus wasn't God, we could, he could never save us. If he didn't become a man, he could never save us. But we are saved because he is fully God and fully man. And that is the faith that saves us. And when you receive Jesus, 